This morning's scripture reading will come from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. If you would like to follow along in one of the Pew Bibles, they can be found on page 881. Again, that is Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Morning. Hope that you have had a, a blessed week. So thankful that you are here today. So thankful for it. I don't know if you've noticed over the past few months, had a lot more of our young men who are reading scripture, who are, who are leading prayer. We're so thankful for their eagerness to do that and thankful for their, their decision to, to lead us in worship. And I think that is a great blessing for us. And it is something that gives us hope to see that this will, leadership will continue throughout and also a, a servant heart and being willing to do that. If you're a guest with us today, thank you for being here today. I'm glad that you chose, of all the places to be this morning, that you chose here. Thankful for all those who've joined us today on the live stream and thankful for their decision to do that. I hope uh, that this will be a blessing to you and also just so thankful to have the Lamasters here with us. I'm uh, thankful for, for their presence and looking forward to them being here. If you will, let's go to God in prayer as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, you uh, are absolutely amazing. When we look around, we see your beauty and we see your power. If we take a second, we will be in awe of all that you have created. Lord, forgive us when we take it for granted. God, today we have come today and we have sang about your fairness about your beauty. We have, have sang about following you. We stand, sang about standing up for you. And we pray that, Lord, we will be people who do that in love and in truth. Lord, be with us as we look at your word today. Help us to take from there what, what you would have us to and, and help us to truly give our lives to you each and every day. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. Life is full of decisions. I, we, you decide what you're going to wear today. You decide what you're going to eat, where you're going to eat. All these decisions come to mind. And I can tell you that there are a lot of decisions that are associated uh, when it comes to knowing that you have a baby on the way. And one of those decisions is, what are we going to name them? Since every child in here and every person in here has been a name, some, has a name, somebody has made that decision for you. Names are a big deal. It is something that we want to make sure there's a name that is good. Uh, there are people who grew up knowing what they're going to name their children. Now, they have no idea who they're going to marry yet, but some of them have a list of what they're going to name, not knowing that they may have to work that out with someone else. But we think about that, uh, and, and for me, I didn't have a list of, of names for my children. I had a list of names that I would not name my kids. Do y'all have that list? Any school teachers here? Every school teacher here has a list. And youth ministers has a list. And preachers has a list of names. You don't ever want to use again because you don't want to, to say that. You, you're like, no, I don't want that. Why? Because there's something powerful about a name. People have no shortage of suggestions 
when it comes to names. Sometimes we ask other people's opinions, right? We go out and we look, and the thing is, we want the name to fit. I know that I heard uh, uh, several parents that they're, they're asked all the time. I think because being in the South, we are a big monogram society. And from the moment we announced that we were having a child, people wanted to know his name so they could sew it on stuff. And we're thankful for that. We, we don't want him to get his stuff confused with somebody else. You know, only one burp cloth per kid. Wouldn't you agree? That's a pretty good, pretty good thought. Why is it names are a big deal? See, Dale Carnegie says this, names are the sweetest and most important sound in any language. See, if you were to take the Dale Carnegie course, what you would learn is the ability to remember someone's name because if you're going to sell them something, you need to know their name. I laugh when I go into a business and somebody tries to sell me something and I can nearly tell you whether they've gone through the Dale Carnegie course or not. If I feel like I'm a misbehaving four-year-old, I think they've gone to that because I've heard my name that many times. Craig, 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 Craig. I hear it over and over and over again. But we like to hear our name. We like to hear our name. And names are so important that sometimes people change their name. Sometimes people don't like the name they've been given. If we look in Hollywood or we look at people who are famous musicians, there are a lot of name changes there. Because if I were to say, does anyone here know who Francis Ethel Gum is? Some of you may know that. And the thing is, it's Judy Garland. Her name was changed to that. They, they felt that Francis Gum would not be the name that would sell, so they changed her name. What about Gordon Sumner? Some of you know these things. I'm going to share. That's Sting. You know, he, he, he went from two words to, to one. That's what he did. Or, or if we said Saul Hudson, like who in the world is that? Well, that's Slash. He plays guitar for Guns and Roses. You go through and say, Craig, you're a little too new, a little too rough. Okay, what about Bernard Schwartz? Tony Curtis. Would you have guessed, you know, would people go see a movie with Bernard Schwartz in it? Maybe. What about Isser Danielovich Demsky? I think I got it out right. They're like, uh-uh. We got to find something else. How about Kirk Douglas? See, it's amazing. We go through the names. Paul David Hewson. You're like, who in the world is Paul David Hewson? Bono from U2. Here's what's funny. He made up his own name. If you're going to be a lead singer of a band, he called himself Bono Vox. You know what that means? Good voice. Bono means good, Vox means voice, okay? Little cocky, okay? There are much better singers than him. I, I like him, but there's much better singers. I, I, I sit there and thankful for that. And what about this, Marion Mitchell Morrison? This is not who owns 3M, even though it makes sense. This is the one and only John Wayne. Can you imagine having a day full of Marion Morrison? They're saying, he's so manly, we're going to give him two first names, John Wayne. We're going to call him that. Why? Because there's something about a name that sells. There's something about a name that makes you identifiable. And there's something about a name that helps other people to see who you are. If we open up the Bible, we see that names are important there also. Names are important in the Bible also. And, and I want us to look at something. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 62. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. Isaiah 62, verses 1 and 2. And the prophet says, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, 
And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation is a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. What were God's people known as at that time? They had several names, did they not? Israelites, Jews. Sometimes they were called by the, by the region, whether they were northern kingdom or, or southern kingdom. At times they were called by whatever tribe they were from. They were Levites, they were Benjamites. But God said, Noah, there's gonna be a name that I give you. And also connected with that name that I give you, realize that out of Jerusalem, salvation and righteousness will not only go forth, but will be a burning torch for other people to look and they will see the salvation from God. Your name will be associated with that. And God said, this is a big deal. Did the prophet know that it would take hundreds of years for this to happen? See, when does this take place? When is it that God's people receive a new name? When is it that people will see that salvation has, has gone forth and there's is a city of righteousness? It will take Acts 2 to happen. See, we go forward to the day of Pentecost. He says, salvation will go out. People will see this light from here. And here's what we'll say. He said, well, on the day of Pentecost, they were together, all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared of, uh, to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues and the Spirit, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews and devout men from every nation under heaven. You with me? This light, this salvation is going to go out to all people, every nation. He says, every nation, it is going out. He goes forth and, and he says this, let the whole house of what? Of Israel, therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said, brethren, uh, to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? What's happened? They've heard this message that the Messiah has come the Messiah that's been promised through for, for hundreds of years has come, and as he has come, you have killed him. And when they heard this, it says it, it cut them to their heart, and they, they cry out, what must we do? What can we do? And he says, what? Peter says to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for, you shall, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those who received his word were baptized and were added that day about 3,000 souls. What happens? All nations see the righteousness of God. It says people, devout people from every nation were there that day and they saw the righteousness of God go out. See, what happens is that day about 3,000 uh, are baptized for mission of their sins. What was their background? Now, even though it says there are people, devout people from every nation, that day there were 3,000 Jews who became Christians. 
They took their, their, their former religion and, and they pointed it toward Christ and they said, oh, this has been the promise all along. We, we are waiting for the Messiah to come. The Messiah is here. We want to follow him. And so they chose to be baptized for remission of their sins. You go, what about the Gentiles? Because the Gentiles can't be saved, we're, we're in trouble. So if we go down just a little bit in Acts chapter 11, verse 17 and 18, it says, if, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard the things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. What's the, 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 the speaker saying? Hey, the same God saved us, saving everybody. It is open to all nations. This promise that has gone forth has made its way. What do we call someone who, who, who is a follower of Christ? And, and, and the word that the, the, we would hear most of all is they are Christians. Is this the new name that God has promised? And, and as we read through Scripture, we realize that the word Christian is only used three times. Let that sit in for a second. It's a word we use all the time, right? We talk about Christian schools, Christian music. We, we talk about Christian preschools. We go through Christian churches. We use that word a lot. In the Bible, it's only used three times. If we were to define, a Christ, to define the word Christian, how would we define it? Some would say it's someone who depends on Christ for their salvation. Others would say it was those who believe, uh, believe in Jesus Christ. It would be those who, who follow Jesus Christ. If we read through the New Testament, what, what we see the way someone becomes a Christian is this. It is a person who has surrendered their life to Christ by reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection through what? Being baptized and remission of their sins. That's what Acts, I mean, Romans chapter 6 says. Many of us grew up saying, in order to become a Christian, you must hear the gospel. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We, we want them to hear that Jesus Christ is what? The son of God, that he has what? He has died and been buried and he has been resurrected. And that we believe that with all of our hearts. As someone who believes that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he is the anointed one, that he is the Messiah, and because of that, they repent. What does that mean? It means that they turn their life away from wherever and turn it toward God and they are walking with him, and they confess it. The confession there is a public declaration that you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Have you noticed that becoming a Christian is all about Christ yet? You have to hear his gospel. You have to be believe that, that he is the Son of God. You, you have to want to change your life to, to follow him. You have to, what, confess his name. And be baptized for remission of your sins. And who does that? Christ takes those sins away. So when we see the word Christian, it is someone who has decided to wholly follow Christ in their life. See, the origins of the word Christian are, are interesting because if you go through these, again, it only appears three times. How did the world see Christians in the first century. They saw them as a, a different sect of Judaism. Okay, if you looked at the Jews, what did you have? You had the Essenes, you had the Sadducees, you had the Pharisees, you had the Zealots. 
you would go through those and they said, well, the, 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 the Christians are just another group of those. That's what some people would say. They're the ones who, who, what? who, who follow Christ. There are some that say it was a term of derision, that people looked at them and said, oh, they're the Christ followers. Maybe. I think that's just how they described them. Can I tell you, that's a pretty awesome way to be described, don't you think? They're Christians. They are the ones that follow Christ. To me, that is an incredible thing to say about someone. That, that, that it is something different, that they are followers of Christ. And we read in Acts 11, verse 26. It said, when he found them, he brought them to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Acts 26, verse 28. And Agrippa said to Paul, in such a short time, some of your versions say, almost you persuadeth me. You would persuade me to be a Christian. 1 Peter 4, verse 16, Peter is talking about that you're going to suffer in this life, but, but let your suffering be this. Let if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. There's something beautiful about the word Christian. There's something incredibly powerful about the word in the name Christian. What's the problem with that word? Is there a problem with that word? And, and I sit there and think about this. One of the problems of the word is probably we use it very loosely. We use it to describe a lot of different things. And, and uh, it's interesting there is criticism that comes from within the body of Christ, and there's criticism that comes from without. This has a, been a statement that, is, that has haunted me and makes me think a lot. Gandhi said this. He said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Let that sit in just for a second. Before you go, well, Gandhi was Hindu. What did he know? Well, it's reported that he read the Sermon on the Mount either every day or every week, depending on which writer you want to say. He, he read this because he thought Jesus was amazing. One neat thing about, uh, in a sense, uh, Hindu religions is a religion of many gods, so they don't have to throw away Jesus. Now, even though Jesus said, I'm the only one, they sort of overlook that. But he could look and respect Jesus for what he did. And what he says is, when I look at the life of Jesus, when it came to his life of service, his life of sacrifice, his life of love, I don't see a lot of that in people who claim to be Christians. Now, you and I, you may be a little offended by that because I could give him a long list of Christians who I see Christ in. Now, he'd have to spend a week with me and I'd just start talking. I could tell him about that, but, but you think about this. You think about the world and, and, the, and the amount of people, the amount of groups that define themselves as Christian. Could you see where this sentiment comes from? I also think this is a person who devoted their life to peace and devoted their life to taking care of others. So I think his definition would be very narrow, but I, I understand what he's saying. See, the, the problem is this, that there seems to be a disconnect between someone who, who calls themselves a Christian 
and living is Christ. You ever been disappointed in a Christian? I'm disappointed in one most of the time when I look in the mirror. Yes, I have been disappointed in Christians. Now, sometimes it's because of that, that whole humanity thing, being human's tough. And fighting the, the battles we fight and being human are difficult. But it's very easy, I, I think, to be disappointed at times and to look and realize at times there is a disconnect between true Christianity and those who call themselves Christians. Uh, I made my first pie chart last night. How about that? I, I wanted to show you, see if I could get this. I had it listed a different way. But it, it, it uh, I couldn't make it come out right. So did you know you can go through Excel and do this? I didn't know that. I figured this out. I, I'm pretty proud of myself. Went through. Okay, this uh, pie or pizza, whatever you prefer, is uh, the representative of all the people in the U.S. and the religion they choose to follow. The way they identify themselves, this is done by the Pew Research uh, Study Group in 2017, so it is recent. About, a little over, about 72% of those who live in the United States identify themselves as Christian. That's the big blue. The smaller ones, you have the uh, uh, the Jewish one. Jewish people are in that. Um uh, the, the, the Muslims are, are, are in that. And uh, there are the green is those who identify themselves as religious but not Christian is in that. Now the orange up here, they're referred to as the nuns. When they were asked what religion are you, they said none. So about 20% or more. But can I tell you, if I were the outside looking in and I said, all right, what's the religious makeup of the United States? And they said, wow, it's, it's about 72% Christian. And I came to visit the U.S., would you be kind of shocked? Would you be shocked at what you saw on TV? said, wow, 72% of these people claim to not, not just believe but follow Christ? I don't know about you. I, I'd be a, a country where 70-something percent of the people claim to follow Christ have legalized abortion? A place where 72% or so people identify as Christians, and I, can I tell you, the number in our history would be a little higher than this, but were they accepted slavery? Would you be a little disappointed? A little bit shocked that a country where people identify themselves as Christian, where things happen the way they do. So what's the problem? I think it's sort of like what Gandhi said, don't you? I like your Christ. I don't just don't see much Christ in Christians. And, and I think part of the problem is I, I'm a little, I'm like this girl, I don't know. I mean, I'm a little confused. There's a writer named Craig Groeschel, and he, he calls it Christian atheism. He, he says, believing in Christ, but living as though he doesn't exist. See, if we were going to go back to that big blue thing, I think that's where we'd be. 
There's people who acknowledge Christ, who say, okay, I believe there is a Christ. I believe that Jesus, but I'm not sure I want to make him my Lord. See, there's a difference in that. See, the word Christian, again, is a word that's used three times in Scripture. And what was it defining? Those who followed Christ. And amazing, it wasn't they were Christians, then they defined themselves as disciples. They were already disciples following Christ, and then somebody identified them as Christians. People looked at their lives and said, wow, look, these people are disciples of Christ. Therefore, they are Christians. See, that word is a very common in our language to say that a lot. But I'm going to tell you, there's another word in Scripture that I think if we got that word, it would help us with the word Christian. And that word is disciple. That word is disciple. That, that, that word changes everything. That word absolutely changes everything. That word, what is a disciple? A disciple is a follower. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is someone who, who has decided to follow someone else and decided to do what? Make their life about someone else. It is about selflessness. Is it, about, it is about service. And, and I love the fact that we have a, a, a minister that's going to help us in discipleship. I, I think that's, that's huge. Help us to be better followers of Christ. Help those who have never followed Christ to do what? To follow, to study, and help them to see Christ as beautiful. To help us to reach out to people. One person by themselves can't, can't do a ton of evangelism, but what could 900 people do this week? What, what could 900 people do if they were trained to do it? And they had a desire to do it. And they not only a desire, but they were compelled to do it, as Paul talked about. What, what could that be? It could be incredible. See, this word disciple, if we look through the Bible, the word disciple is used a lot. In the New Testament, in the ESV, the word disciple is used 269 times. In the King James, it's 273 times. In the New American Standard, it's 272 times. And 296 times in the NIV. The word disciple is all through Scripture. You need to realize when that word Christian was used, again, it was used by people who stepped back and looked and said, okay, these people are following Christ, therefore we will call them what? Christians. What does it take to do that? See, all Christians should be disciples. <laughs> See, there should not be a division in those two words. Those two words should be should, should be locked together, should not, never, ever be able to be disconnected or separated. I'm thankful to be a part of this church family. I believe we are a church family filled with people who love God and love one another and, and want to follow Christ and, and do follow Christ. And, and for that to happen, it, it is something that, that Jesus says some things in his word. If he's going to use that disciple word disciple a lot, he says a lot. And one of the things he says is this, is in Luke 14, verse 23, he said, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my what? Disciple. Can I tell you what's great about this? This is an invitation. 
Not only that, it's an open invitation. And he said to all, if anyone, if anyone would want to come after me, that's anybody, anybody from any background, no matter what's happened to you before in your life, no matter what you've gone through, it does not matter. It doesn't matter your education level. It doesn't matter your, your gender. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your nationality. If anyone would come after me, then deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. How often? Daily. There the discipleship comes in. See, Christianity is not a one-time declaration. It's a lifetime of discipleship. It's every day taking that cross and, and following Him. And, and, and I, can I tell you, sometimes I needed some encouragement that morning to pick that cross back up. Sometimes I need a good Christian brother or sister to encourage me to do that. Sometimes I, I'm, I'm tempted just to lay it down somewhere and somebody say, hey, I, I'll help you carry that for a little while, but this is yours. You've got to bear your own burden. I'm willing to walk by you as I'm carrying mine. Jesus makes an offer for all of us to be disciples. And that's where we want to be. We want people to not have a definition in our world of, uh, that, that they sit there and go, well, a Christian's one thing and a disciple's something else. No, we want those two things to be locked together. When they see us, they see people from our church family, they see people... They see people who what? Love Christ and are following Him. When we think about the church, <coughs> get a little choked up, sorry. <clears throat> when we think about the church, we think about people who are individually following Christ together. People who follow him and who want, do want to do what? Want to follow him beyond anything else. If you will, go ahead and go to slide uh, 65. I just pulled, that's officially known as a Gilmore. To those who have gone to Freed Hardman, he just calls out a slide number, tells them to go there. That's what I just did because I've got a lot more sermon than I have time. So we're just going to go, go forward and we'll come back to that. If you just hit 65 and enter, it'll get there. Um, when I think about following Christ, to me, it's one of the most challenging things we can be asked to do. But when people see you following, when people see you, you, you going that way, guess what? They want to know who you're following. You can say, hey, I am a follower of Jesus and it is because of Him that, that you see whatever goodness in me that you see, that you see whatever kindness, whatever acts of service, whatever those are. Whatever those are, you see because of Him. This morning, can we help you be a, a disciple? One of the first places we have to follow Christ to be a disciple is into the water. Christ Himself were baptized. We, we've been called to be baptized for remission of our sins. That is a commandment of His. In order to do what? To be His disciple. We start there today. We need to, to do that and, and make Christ our King. And today you can choose to do that. Today you may be saying, Craig, I, I've claimed to be a Christian, but my discipleship has fallen short. Maybe today you want to ask us to pray for you about that. Or maybe today you just want us to pray 
uh, you're, you're, you're struggling in some way for us to be an encouragement to you and for strength, and we would love to do that. If we can help you in your walk with Christ, will you come now while we stand and while we sing?